0: Well, good morning. How are you feeling today? Pretty good? Yeah. Excited to be here? Man, I'm fired up to be here today. I have a talk for you that I'm just itching to give, and I'm going to get to it in just a moment. We're actually wrapping up a series uh, called Hinderance today, but before I jump into that series, I want to tell you something that happened about two weeks ago. Uh, I got an email from a friend of ours here at the church, a, tender, a, f- a family that attended the church, and they said that they wanted to have lunch with me and kind of make a donation to the Franklin campus. Now, if you don't know what that means, we're right now, our third campus is in a, a middle school, and they set up and they tear down every single week, and it's, it's working, and there's about four. 150 people there. Right now they're having a 915 service. They'll have an 1115 service. And so what we're trying to do is help them to build a permanent site, something like this, but smaller and like our, like our second site at Banta. And we're trying to raise $2 million to try to get that done. And so, uh, but last week, two weeks ago, I was really, really busy, and I couldn't, couldn't have the meeting, but I said, hey, let's meet before, uh, let's meet before the 11.15, and after the 9.15, we'll, we can go to my office, and we can chat. So, uh, two weeks ago, I went in there, and I uh, met with this family, and, uh, you know, I was thinking in my mind, man, they're probably going to give a, a couple thousand dollars. This is very exciting, and, and uh, so I sat down with this family, and, and uh, right in my office back there, the gentleman pulls out a check. And on the check, it was a $100,000. And I just about fell out of my chair, and I thought, man, I cannot wait to share that with our congregation. Here's why I want to share that with you, because God is going to build this campus for us, okay? And it's very exciting to be part of. We have faith that he's going to do that. Now, if that happens two or three more times like that... <laughs> No, on a serious note, if that happens two or three more times, no, no, ser- hang with me. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. If that happens two or three more times, we're still not going to make our goal because our goal is about $2 million and we're about right now with that $100,000 gift, both gifts committed and, uh, and, and actual cash given, we're at about $922,000. So we're not even halfway there. So I wanna, I'm encouraged by that gift and even if we had two or three others like it, which if you feel led to do that, we will receive it. Uh But what we really need is everyone to jump in at the $10 a week level. Because if we have 4,000 families give $10 a week in 10 months, you do the math, in 10 months we'll have raised our entire $2 million. It's two lattes a week. If you don't have $10, I will give you $10. You could put it in the plate. Okay, so if we all jump in together, we will raise this. Because it's it's not one or two or three people that are going to do this vision. It's all of us collectively. So it's very, very exciting. You can actually get commitment cards back there at the info desk. And so it got good. It's very, very, very exciting. Now, that being said, Um, Let me just jump into this series. What we've been talking about is this idea of hindrance, that God is always at work. He's always doing things. It blows my mind. Jesus said one time, he said, my father is always working and so am I. And on top of that, he invites you and I to be part of his work in this world. And this world needs a lot of work. Do you agree? Yes or no? (laughs) There's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of hate out there. There's there's a lot of, of evil out there. And so God wants to be a blessing to this world. And guess what he wants to do? He wants to use you to be that blessing so when it comes to the work that God wants to do we can either be a help we can cooperate with him we can allow him to use our lives our hands our feet our resources our bodies our minds to further his work in this world or we can be a hindrance like Peter remember what Jesus said to Peter he said get behind me Satan because you are a hindrance To me, Peter wasn't thinking the ways of God or thinking along along the lines of what God was thinking. And so we talked about that in week number one. Week number two, we talked about how a lack of faith can be a hindrance to God. And then in the third week, we talked about how hypocrisy can really hinder the work of God. If you haven't watched this series at all, you're with us here for the first time. You can go back on our app or in our website and you can watch those other talks. Has it been a blessing to you so far? Has it been helpful? Awesome, awesome. So today I wanna bless you again one more time. Do my best to do that. I wanna talk about a fourth way that we actually hinder the work of God, and that is sin. Sin hinders the work of God. Now let me be clear about something. Sin is also the occasion for the most miraculous or the most magnificent or the most beautiful work that God has ever performed, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anybody thankful for that? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because because the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ conquered the penalty of sin and death in our lives. And so uh, I'm not talking about sin in general, the sin that Jesus paid for on the cross, Although I am going to, that sin is part of the equation here that I'm going to talk about today. I'm talking about the sin that remains in our lives after we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Is anybody honest enough to admit that even though we are forgiven, even though we're Christ followers, we still have sin in our lives? Yes, you, you, I sin all the time. <laughs> I could tell you a list of my sins, but that'd be embarrassing. Uh, so, even though I'm a Christian, even though I'm a Christ follower, I still blow it. And by the way, sin simply means to miss the mark. That's all it means. It's an archery term, so if you're out there shooting at a target, and you pull back and you shoot, uh, or if you're a hunter, or you shoot at deer, or other things, like, I don't know, yeah. I don't get all that, but because I've never shot anything or killed anything. I've probably come to, I'm probably a city boy, but, uh, but some of you like to do that, and then you like to eat it and stuff. Anyway, that's totally gross. Anyway... probably not gross for some of you like whoa we're having some tonight Uh, okay but it's just sin is just this idea that you 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 have your eye on something and then you just miss the mark you totally miss the deer you totally hit the bull you miss the bullseye that's what sin is and the reality is, is that after we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we still have sin in our lives. Otherwise, gee, otherwise, Paul wouldn't have said this in 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, sorry. 2 Timothy, he says, all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. See, you can belong to Jesus Christ and still have a struggle with sin in our lives. And sin hinders the work of God, the work that God wants to do in us, And through us. Paul says this in the next couple of verses, verse 20, verse 21. He says, if you keep yourself pure, he's talking to his young protege, Timothy, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil, a special tool for honorable use. He continues and he says this, your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. In other words, your life is like a scalpel in the the hand of a surgeon. And if you've ever been operated on before, and I have, I've had three knee surgeries, I've had my appendix out, I've seen what they do to to get everything sanitized and cleaned up, and everything's, you know, nice, They, they pour that brown stuff, what's that called, iodine or something, and they clean you up, and then they use their utensils that have been, you know, completely sanitized, because if there's any germs on those things, then, you know, it could kill the patient, that's happened in history, and all, you know, many, many people have died because of the infections, Right? So God is basically saying, if you want me to use your life, you have to be a clean vessel. And when you are clean, when you, when you turn away from all evil, you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Does that make sense? So sin hinders the work of God in our lives. Now, I know when I say that, I have to kind of be really careful because some of you hear that and you're thinking, well, if that's the case, I'm done. I'll never be used by God. Because I sin all the time, I sin every day, right? So I I need I need to make a few distinctions here. I'm not talking about being perfect okay? I'm not talking about sinlessness. I'm talking about a life that is dominated by sin, okay? Where sin is just the patterns of your life. You always manipulate. You always lie. You always lust. You always cheat. There, there's a difference. There, there's a person who lives that way, and that, you can be a Christ follower and live that way. Not a very good one, but you can do it. And then there's a person who's striving to live for Christ, who's becoming like Christ, and then occasionally, from time to time, blows it and misses misses the mark okay I'm I'm talking about that type of person not not the person who is dominated by by sin Paul is saying if your life is dominated by sin you will not be ready to be used by the master for every good work does that make sense you see it's, it's very interesting when I talk about sin some people will fall immediately into the category of condemnation and condemnation is this feeling that comes over a person that says, well, I am worthless, I, am, I have blown it, I am no good, God would never use a person like me. If you found out what I've done in my past, I'm done, right? That's condemnation. Condemnation is what Judah, Judas felt when he betrayed Christ. He, he felt so guilty and so ashamed, what did he do? He went out and did what? He hung himself. See, that's what condemnation does to a person. The opposite of condemnation is conviction. Conviction is what Peter felt when Peter denied Christ. He knew what he did was wrong, he felt bad about it, but he was encouraged to turn from it and he was encouraged to get better and say, you know what, I'm gonna turn away from that and I'm actually gonna strive to become more like Christ. That's conviction. And if what you feel today is conviction, you're on the right path. If what you feel today is condemnation, you're not hearing me correctly, okay? Maybe you grew up in a legalistic church where you had a pastor who preached when his, his you know, veins were popping out of his head and he would tell you you're going to hell, you're going to hell, remember those guys? Anyway, hopefully, hopefully uh, you're over that a little bit. But uh, so, so that's, that, that kind of preaching leads to this sense of condemnation. That's not what Paul is trying to create here. He's trying to create a sense of conviction in Timothy's life. Now when we talk about sin, there's lots that we can talk about. We could do a whole series, I don't know, called The Seven Deadly Sins. In fact, this summer we might do that. Would that be fun? We just go through envy and adultery and anger and hatred and all those different things, and that, that would be kind of depressing, wouldn't it? So we're not going to do that in a summer series, but, but that would be interesting. So, but, but we could talk about a lot of things when we talk about sin. And so what, I don't want to go through all these different sins. I want to just talk about what I believe is the root sin of all the other sins. You know what that one is? That's the sin of pride. It's the sin of pride. We hinder the work of God with pride. Now, I'm gonna bend down and tie my shoe because I'm really distracted right now. (laughs) In all of my life as a preacher, I have never done this, but I keep thinking about my shoelace. (laughs) Okay, just being real, just being real. Okay, so we hinder the work of God with pride. C.S. Lewis, in his fantastic book, I hope I encourage you to read it, um, Mere Christianity. It's a difficult read, but it's so beautiful. He says this about pride. Pride is spiritual cancer. And if you know anything about the the spiritual life or how it works or how it's supposed to work, if you read Jesus, if you read the, the Gospels, the spiritual life is supposed to work like this. That that we take our will, we take our soul, and we surrender it to the will of God, that our lives are dependent upon the strength of the Holy Spirit working in us to produce all kinds of fruit in our life. It's a, it's a path of surrender. It's a path of, of Jesus one time used the illustration of a, of a tree or, or, or a branch, or a trunk, and that he says, "I'm the trunk." and you guys are the branches, and if you stay connected to me, the life-giving sap of the trunk will flow into the branches and all kinds of beautiful fruit will come from it. And that, 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 vis, that visual image of a branch staying connected to the trunk is the spiritual life. Well, that is a life of surrender to God and every single morning saying, God, not my will be done, but your will be done in this life. You know, I want your kingdom to come, not my kingdom in this world. Right, And so that's a picture of a healthy soul of the healthy spiritual life. Pride says nothing. Pride says, I will have none of it. Pride says, I don't need you. I got this all by myself. I'm smart enough. I'm self-sufficient. God, I don't need you. I don't need anyone else. And that is why pride is spiritual cancer. He would go on to say that pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. And it is. It's it's a complete opposite direction of of where Jesus wants to take us. And that's why when we look into the Bible, we see some powerful words about pride. In James chapter 4, let me show you a few. God opposes pride. He sets himself up against in battle formation. That's what the word means. So picture his army set up against you, (laughs) against the proud person. Anybody want to set themselves up against God's army? (laughs) No, I don't think you do, right? I don't want God working against me. I want God working for me. In Psalm 138, listen to what the psalmist says. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud, anybody want God to say, I ain't going near that guy, I ain't, no, I ain't going near that girl. I don't want that, I want God to, to be drawn to my life. I need him in my life, you need God in your life. But when we're proud, God says, I want nothing to do with that, why? Why does God distance himself, or set himself up, up, up against the proud person? Because pride is basically this attitude, or this mindset that says, I got this, I'm okay. I'm in control. I don't need anybody. I can do it all by myself. That's basically, pride says, I'm God. Now, you might not think about that way. Maybe you never even thought those words before, but when you're, when you're thinking in self-sufficient terms, you're thinking that you are God, that you took the place of God. And by the way, who made that mistake? <laughs> what was his name? Who made that mistake? He's a big character in the Bible. Satan. Satan. What, what was his sin? It was pride. He said he, the Bible says he wanted to ascend to God's position. And God said, there's only one God, it's not you. And so he casts Lucifer down and he became Satan. Pride destroys us. No wonder the Bible says that pride leads to destruction. I mean, it, God, if God's gonna set himself up against this person and distance himself from this person, far from being used by God, your life will be destroyed. Listen to Proverbs 16, verse 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. This word this word, destruction in the Hebrew, it literally means to fracture or to break a bone. That's kind of the connotation of the word, to, 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 to shatter a bone. When I was about nine years old, a couple of days before my nine-year-old birthday, I had this great idea uh, to, to step out onto a six-foot wall. I don't know why I did this. I was maybe a, not, not such a bright child. I'm not sure. Uh, and I had a rope with me. And I tied the rope around my waist on top of the six-foot wall. There was a, there was also a fence on top of the six-foot wall, and and I tied the rope around my waist and I tied the rope to the fence, and I just wanted to see if the weight if I could lean back and let go. But you didn't have this experience when you were nine. <laughs> you weren't curious. <laughs> So I tied it around my waist, tied it around the the fence, and I I just kind of went back like this, and of course the knot broke, and I fell six feet, and I tried to brace myself with this arm, and this bone right here just went, just snapped right in half. And I knew it was broken, because when I got up, uh, my arm didn't get up. It kind of stayed there on the ground. I thought, that's not the way it's supposed to work. So I literally grabbed my arm like this and took it up to my shirt and squeezed my shirt and just ran home like this. Of course, when I got home, I told my parents and I was screaming bloody murder. I'm sure I had this really high shrieking voice. It was awful. And uh, I think I told my parents my, I broke my arm. Of course, my dad's like, no, nah, it's not broke. <laughs> all dads do that, don't they? I do the same thing. Nah, it'll be all right. <laughs> and uh, of course it was broke. I had to go to the hospital, but uh, But that's what the word means. It means means to shatter. Here, I know I'm, I'm being a little bit funny, but this is not so funny when it comes to our lives. Pride shatters our life. It breaks a life down. Jesus said it this way, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Everyone who decides to take the path of arrogance will, will have to be brought low. In the Bible, there's a great example, many examples. I'll just share one of them with you. A guy named Uzziah took over the kingdom of Israel at the age of 16. He did fantastic for many, many years. He had a great mentor, and God built this great army underneath him, th- over 300,000 soldiers. He built cities. He had built towers. He did all this amazing stuff. He had vineyards and farms and all these workers, and he was a very powerful king. Watch what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. It says this, but when he had become powerful, he also became, say it with me, proud. He started thinking, well, I've done this. This is, this is my doing, I, I'm, I'm the one who created this vast kingdom and built all these cities and, and that pride, that pride led to his downfall. See, when a person has pride, they think they're above the law, that's what happens. They think, well, I can do anything I want and that's exactly what Uzziah thought and so he went into the temple, I'll show you what he did, next verse, watch this. He sinned against the Lord, his God, by entering into the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the altar of incense. This was a job only for the priests. Now, you might think that's a small issue. It wasn't a small issue, it was a huge issue. King Uzziah is basically saying, I can do anything I want because I'm the king. I'm above the law. (laughs) Some of our leaders today have a struggle with this, right? I'm above the law, so he goes in there, and so uh, the, 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 the priest takes all the other priests, 80 priests go in and they confront King Uzziah, and they say, you can't do this. And they just have this face-to-face confrontation, and watch, watch Uzziah's response. Uzziah, who was holding the incense burner, right there, they just confronted him, right there. He became furious. But as he was standing there raging, I'm gonna come back to that in a little bit, but as he was standing there raging in his anger at the priest before the incense altar of the Lord, watch what happened, watch what happened. Suddenly, leprosy broke out on his head, right there in his forehead. <laughs> It's like God's saying, listen, it doesn't work that way. I will not allow my people to rise up and exalt themselves and think that they are self-sufficient. I am going to put a stop to this. And so in the end of the story, I don't have this on the screen there, but I'll just read it to you from the text. It says this in verse 21. And King Uzziah was a leper, listen to this, to the day of his death. And being a leper, he lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And watch this. And Jotham, his son, was who was over the king's household, uh, started governing all the people of the land. It's like God says, look, I'm no longer going to partner with Uz- uh, Uzziah because pride hinders my work. You can't take the glory. The glory is supposed to come to me. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna use your son Jotham to replace you. Now I don't know about you, but I don't want someone to replace me because of pride. I don't want God to say I can't use you. How about you? God wants to partner with me He wants to partner with you. I know that might sound arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's just the truth. God is looking for a bunch of people that that he can use to be a blessing to this world, but pride hinders him from doing so. Now, I know that it's hard to kind of Uh, I don't know, see pride in our lives, it's it's actually a lot easier to see pride in other people's lives. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) It's hard to see in us. It's easy to see in other people. So I'm going to give you a few ideas to help you maybe identify pride in your own life, okay? A proud person is unable to apologize. Okay? Is that you? Do you apologize easily, or do you go to, or is it like, "Ah!" you're seeing a conversation, you've been caught. It's like, I'm Sorry, you, you know, you can't really get the words out. That's why. Proud, pride, proud people, they have a real problem with apologizing because that's admitting that they were wrong and they're never wrong, right? Are you, are you, anybody? I remember one time my wife looked at me and she said, you know, you, ne- you never think that you're wrong. This was years ago. See, I've made progress. <laughs> Since then, I've, I've been saying it a lot. I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, a proud person also, number two, is unable to seek advice. They are unable to seek, seek help. Why? Because they know it all. And if they, if they go seek advice, what is that an admission of? Ignorance, right? And I oh, can't let that happen. Unfortunately, a friend of mine uh, had his life kind of fall apart one time. And, and uh, on the back end of it, I met with him. I said to him, how come you didn't come to me and seek help? How come you didn't come to me and ask for some advice? And to quote, I quote, ready? I'll never forget this. It's burned into my brain. I was too proud, and because a a proud person doesn't seek help, doesn't seek advice, they suffer in their own little world, and there's lots of destruction going on. A proud person also has a critical spirit. Pride creates a critical spirit. Have you noticed this? They're always looking down on everybody else, because they know better, and they're smarter, and they're whatever, you know, and then so, and what does that lead to? All kinds of destruction, because do you like to be around a person like that? <laughs> I don't. I want to get, separate myself from people who are always looking down and criticizing other people. A proud person is also unable to see their own weaknesses. They're unable to see their own faults. Have you ever noticed that? It's just they can see the faults of everybody else, but their own weaknesses, are they're blind to them. They're, they're, they, they don't see their own blind spots. And because of that, you know, they don't know how people are experiencing them. Did you know that people experience you? I remember reading about that one day. I was like, wow. Like right now, you're experiencing me. You're experiencing what it's like to be in my presence. People do the same thing with you. Your coworkers, your spouse. And I had to think to myself, How is my wife, my closest companion, my best friend, right? How does she experience me? And it caused me to try to become very self-aware of how my words and responses and actions and inactions affect her, right? A proud person doesn't know any of that stuff because they don't think there's a problem. (laughs) They think everybody's just thrilled with them. (laughs) Everybody wants to be around them because they're great, right? Right? look at this one a proud person's unable to receive criticism they just can't hear it it's like they, they choke they can't breathe because <laughs> they're 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 the best they're awesome you don't criticize a proud person and when you do ooh, watch out because you're going to get something coming back at you right you ever criticize you ever offer up some critique of somebody who's proud and they're like and then all of a sudden the finger's coming right back at you right it's, Anyway, that's this pride. Hopefully you're, you're realizing, hopefully you're not nudging your partner. You're saying, oh, woe is me. I'm a proud person. This last one is powerful. This was Uzziah's problem. You pr- a proud person needs to be in control. They're the boss. They're God, right? And so they can, they're above the law. They can go in and light incense if they want to light incense. And then if someone comes and crosses them, they're mad. They're raging. So listen, anger is a result of pride, So an angry person, the reason a a person is angry is because they're puffed up in in pride because they're in control of their life. Now if you've lived long enough, you know that things never go your way. Let me say that again. If you've lived long enough, you know that things never go your way. Can you say that with me? Things never go my way. Say that with me. Things never go my way. You have to get this. They never go your way. And so if you're in control and things never go your way, you're just gonna live a life in anger. You with me? Some of you are like, well, that's why I'm always angry. Yes, you're proud. You're in control of your life. You think you're God. I was on the plane coming home. My wife and I went to California this last week, and there was a pastor's conference there, and I and, uh, on the flight home, you know, there's this, there's this change in time. And so I'm trying to get some sleep and I bought the neck pillow. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just trying to, and sure enough, I fall asleep, you know, but I'm kind of tall. I'm about six, four. I probably don't look it on the stage. uh, But uh, so that means that uh, my legs don't quite fit in the, in the, in the, you know, the tiny, tiny, tiny little seats they give you. And so my knee is kind of out like this uh, in the aisle, just a little bit, not too much. And so I'm, I'm falling asleep. I'm out. And all of a sudden, boom! I feel this shooting pain on my knee goes up my leg, through my back, up to my neck. And I'm like, what was that? And my, my wife jumps and I jump and I look at this guy. It was the guy with the cart. <laughs> he was mowing down the aisle with the cart and he slammed my knee. And, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. And I thought, you're sorry? Do you?" Do you know the pain? I'm up my back, you know? And, and listen, hey, why am I sharing this illustration with you? Because if I was in control of my life and I didn't get my way, what was I wanting to do? I wanted to sleep. I wanted to sleep. I just wanted to get some rest. This guy crossed me, right? He, he didn't give me what I wanted. He gave me a, something a lot worse. <laughs> and so I had this moment, and I couldn't even look at him because what I wanted to do is stand up and... Boom! Right in his face, you know? And I felt the anger rising up inside of me, and I was like, you're a pastor, you're a pastor, you can't do that! And then I had another voice say, but nobody knows it on the plane, you can do it! (laughs) Just kidding about that part, just kidding. But I did, I could I really struggled to look at this guy because he was just like, oh, I'm sorry, no problem, that was rude of me. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, so anyway, I thought to myself, you got like one job, dude. Bring the cart down the aisle and give out the coffee and the water. You screwed that up, dude. I I held all that back, held it all back, held it all back. (laughs) Because, here's why, because Jesus was testing me. He always tests me. I don't know why. (laughs) And here was the test. Are you in control of your life? Oh, you didn't get what you wanted, did you? Let's see, how are you going to handle that anger? you know, and all these conversations going on in my head. I think I'm crazy. <laughs> so an angry person is angry because they're in control, and they're in control because they're proud. Now hopefully you're able to identify with some of that stuff and recognize that you're proud. And now let's talk about how to get rid of this, this junk because we gotta get it out of our life. Again, because pride hinders the work of God. I'm gonna give you two quick things. First thing we gotta do is humble ourselves. How do we get rid of pride? How do we just just rip it out of our life? We have to humble ourselves. We can either humble ourselves or Jesus is going to humble us, one or the other. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, clothe yourselves, I love this phrase because everybody gets dressed in the morning. And so this is the idea, put it on, literally, clothe yourselves with humility all of you toward one another because that's where the, fixture, the friction comes between you and your spouse between you and your children between you and your family between you and your coworkers, between you and whoever clothe yourselves put it on every single day yeah I know you put it on yesterday but you have to put it on again today so okay I get that I got to clothe myself with humility if I want to get rid of pride how do I do that two simple ways. Number one, you have to admit that you're proud. The first thing we do is we step in and we say, yes, Lord, the problem is not with him. It's not with her. The problem is with me. I'm the one who's proud. C.S. Lewis, again, in his little book there, uh, Mere Christianity, he said this, if anyone would like to acquire humility, which is the solution, I can, I think, tell them the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. Just be honest with yourself. And say, yes, I am proud. I love the way Paul said it in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He said, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your own evaluation of yourselves. I love that. Just be real about what you're really like and what you're really capable of. I love, there's a little book called Humilitas by uh, a guy named John Dixon. Fantastic little book. It's an orange book. If you can get your hands on it, it's a fantastic read. It's not a Christian book. It's just a book on, on humility and the power of humility. In the book, he says, one solution on how to acquire humility is basically to get honest about the fact that what you don't know far outweighs what you do know. Let me say that again. What you don't know, what you don't have knowledge of, far outweighs what you do know. And it's a, that just takes you down the path of humility. Does that make sense? And it, go, it, it goes to skill as well. You know, what you can't do far outweighs what you can do. Have you ever noticed that? There's so many things I can't do. And then when I start to think about all the things I can't do, even just like home improvement projects in my house, I just kind of review some of that stuff, you know. My, I don't have a saw in my house. My, my mom and dad came to visit here a couple of weeks and watched the kids while we were gone, and, and uh, my dad said to me, you don't have a saw? It's like, no. I don't have a saw. Why would I use a saw? So he went out and bought one for me. the things I can't do far outweigh the things I can do and so when I review that in my mind I go oh I'm humble I'm just humble right and what we uh, unfortunately what most of us do is we think about all the things we do know and all the things we can do and we think oh I'm great (laughs) really man be honest with yourself when you evaluate yourself right okay 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 number two number two We're gonna receive everything as a gift. We're gonna understand that everything we have is a gift. Whatever you have in your life has been given to you. This is so powerful. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. What do you have that God hasn't given you? It's a rhetorical question. What's the answer? Oh, come on, be a little courageous, more courageous than that. What's the answer? Nothing. What do you have that hasn't been given to you? Nothing, that's the answer. So, if everything has been given to you by God, why do you boast as if it's not a gift? If you have money, if you have health, if you have eyes to see, hands to touch and do things, if you have a job, if you have a family, if you have a home, if you have a car, why do you boast and brag as if you haven't received that from God? See, when you and I can understand that everything we have is a gift, it takes us down the path of humility. Pride is replaced with something called gratitude. Isn't that the, the appropriate emotion for us when we receive a gift? Oh, thank you. But if I've earned it, if it's my doing, if I'm like Uzziah, all this kingdom, I have built this and I have done this and this is all my doing. Well, then pride rises up and God says, I can't work with somebody like that. But I can work with somebody humble see pride is spiritual cancer because it takes us in the opposite direction that jesus wants to take us and far from being used by god he sets himself up against us james chapter 4 verse 6 let's go back to it god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble he opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble he sets himself up against the proud person but he gives grace to the humble what does that mean grace of course it includes forgiveness of course it does But in this context, it means help. It means support. It means that God is gonna give you the assistance and the strength and the wisdom and the support and the favor that you need to partner with him to do his work in this world. We have to take the path of humility. We have to get real and honest about the fact that we're proud and we have to begin to receive everything as a gift. Does that make sense? We get rid of pride in our life because pride hinders the work of God. A few moments ago, I mentioned that uh, sin was the occasion for the greatest work, the greatest work ever done in the history of the universe. Because of, it's because of sin that Christ went to the cross. Because, and here's why. Remember a few moments ago, I said sin is missing the mark. We all miss the mark. We all fall short. In fact, there's a Bible verse in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 that simply says All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's because of that sin that we needed a savior. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and and not only does he live 33 years, but he, he, he offers himself up as a sacrifice for our sin. And that's why he died on the cross. He died on the cross to wash away all of our sin. He died on the cross to remove the penalty of sin, the guilt of sin, and the shame of sin, so that we can be reunited to God and have a relationship with him. That's what this is all about. That's what this whole universe, this whole world, our existence is about. It's about knowing God and being in a relationship with God. Why did God do that? Because he loved you and I. The Bible says that God revealed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, last night I was sharing this message and I offered it up. I said, so if you want the forgiveness of sins, if you'd like to have a relationship with Christ, place your faith in him, you can pray this simple prayer. And I led people in the prayer, and I'm gonna do it in just a moment here in a second, so I invite you to do that. The last night I invited everybody to do that, and a young woman, probably early 20s, she prayed to receive Christ. After the service, she came down front to meet me, and, and uh, she waited and waited, and she just said, I just have never been, she said, I've never been inside of a church, ever. It's my first time. She had her little Bible in her hand. She said, I wanna know more about what this thing is called following Jesus and all this stuff. I said, "Man, you are in the perfect place." Now I, you're probably not in her shoes, many of you, but there's probably a few of you that that are not Christians. you maybe agnostic, atheist, something like that. But today you've heard something. You're drawn in. You you're, you maybe maybe you feel you know pulled in. You know who that is? You know what that is? That's God. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself. I felt it, many of other, uh, many other I mean, in fact, how many of you ever felt, you felt the pull of the Holy Spirit? Look at the hands. That's God, that's what he does. So if you're feeling that pull right now into relationship with Christ, this moment is designed for you. I'm gonna invite you to pray a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's you reaching out to Christ saying, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you're the savior. Please come into my life and forgive me and make me your child. You can become a Christ follower today and receive the forgiveness of your sins. If you'd like to do that right now, I invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. Take these words and make them your own. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you did it because you loved me. Wash away all my sin today. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me your child. And from this day forward, help me to live the rest of my life in a way that makes you smile. Give me the strength and the grace I need. It's in your name I pray, amen. If you prayed to receive Christ just now, I wanna encourage you as I did last night uh, to go and grab one of these one-year Bibles uh, we give them out free, they're in the back of the auditorium. Here's why, because we believe with all of our heart that as you read the word of God, what God does is it begins to grow you and speak to you. It's literally like your your food, your spiritual food. And as you take the word of God into your mind, the Bible says it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The word of God is alive, it penetrates our hearts, it shapes us, it molds us, it transforms us. And so if you pray to receive Christ today, I want you to grab one of these totally free of charge. It's a gift from us to you, from us, from us to you. Okay, there we go. Can we give God a hand today for what he's done? It is an absolute joy and privilege to be your pastor. I believe that we have a big dream here. I believe God is calling us to reach uh, 10, at least 10,000 people, if not more. And uh, you say, well, why? Why would God give you a dream like that? Because people need to know Christ. They need to know Christ. We live in a world out there today where there's, it's amazing. People are searching and, and, and going in every direction looking for satisfaction, looking for life, looking for, 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 for fulfillment. They're, 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 they're chasing money. They're ch- chasing, you know, illicit sex. They're chasing all alcohol, drugs. They're chasing all of these things. And, and what they're really searching for is Christ if they could only see it. And so that's why we have a vision to reach thousands and thousands of people because we have the answer, don't we? The answer is Christ, the living water, the bread of life. I hope that vision captures your heart. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk on behalf of you. I hope I, hope I got it at least uh, you know, a little bit close to what you wanted. And I hope you're pleased today with it. Um, help us to take the path of humility uh, because we want to be used by you to be a blessing to this world. Help us to be generous people Um, so that we can reach many, many more people with this message of hope, love, and forgiveness. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. God bless you, love you. See you next week, bring a friend.